You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and you can follow me on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin. I'm here with my boy John, and you can follow him at CSL underscore Duke. And the show is at CSL underscore Tweet Live, the entire CLNS Radio network at CLNS Radio. John, the Celtics, like Frank the Tank, are 100% absolutely streaking. Like Frank the Tank, I hope not. I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they no, are maybe not like Frank the Tag. They're letting it all hang out there either way, right? <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. I like that. Trying, trying. No, they are absolutely. They're playing well, you know. Um had a good win this week against Utah. I think that that certainly helps put your your frame of reference right. They're getting some rest in between some of these games. Um they looked a little flat, I think, against Philly on Friday night, but you know, finished off with a good win uh, against a bad team uh, in in the Pelicans on Saturday night. But you know, they're playing well. Ten, of, you know, they're 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 winning games they should be winning, which wasn't always happening at early points of the season when they weren't quite as healthy. And now we have a little bit of a challenge that's coming up this week, which I think is is going to be really good for them. Now we get to see, okay, we've made some strides. I don't think anyone feels like this team is fixed, uh, but you know, they've they've defensively they've they've played well and again consider the source but they go up 104 106 108 points this week one good team two really bad teams which for the celtics that's that's an improvement because they've been really in the the 110s 120s here uh, of late so i think they're starting to get things a bit under control on the defensive side of things or shall we hope well, the Celtics obviously already dropped one to the Pelicans this year, but there was one of the, uh, one of the hosts of this show said they'd go three and O this week. So oh, yeah. I will say Celtics carved up the, at the time, number one ranked defense in the NBA of the Utah Jazz, which we debated last week whether or not, uh, Houston or Utah was the bigger surprise, but, I, I really, I loved seeing Gordon Hayward in town. I know that's going to spawn a little conversation about Jay, Jay Crowder and the tweets and the fans and who has a right to do what. And we'll definitely break that down or give our two cents on it. But three and oh, and only one game behind Toronto. So you want to talk about, I know we'll get into the week ahead and our predictions in the second half of the show, but the Celtics in their last 10 are eight and two. Toronto's five and five. Boston's won four in a row. Toronto has lost two in a row heading into this game. And amazingly, as we said with green colored glasses on before the year began, that Boston would be competing for this second spot. Now, Toronto has always had Boston's number. So certainly this is an opportunity for the Celtics to establish themselves and maybe finally get that monkey off their back. I think so. I think they've, I think they are, this is an opportunity. They've had bad luck playing against the Raptors. It's been a really hard run. They've, the, the Raptors, I think, have had some, I think, advantages in terms of roster construction. Not in terms of that they have better players, but 
they have some bigger guards, uh, particularly DeRozan. DeRozan has absolutely killed these Celtics. Terrence Ross has killed these Celtics over the last two years. So this is going to be an opportunity. We don't know what's going to happen with Avery Bradley and his Achilles situation, which seems to be um, not good. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem like it's a serious thing right now, and we hope that continues. But that's always the way it starts. Yeah, you know we 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 went through this with KG a few years ago, and I'm not trying to draw parallels there, but it's certainly you you just need to be cautious. And uh, but the so, team look, seems to play well without him in the lineup. Even so, I think so. And if there's yeah. a player that you can suffer an injury to for a little while, it's Avery Bradley. Not because he doesn't bring a ton to the table. But again, this glut of guard depth, and it moves Marcus Smart to a more natural position, and it wasn't too many shows ago, maybe four or five, right before the Christmas holiday that you and I were talking about the three guards, and at some point, how do you make room, and is Bradley the guy you trade, or is it Smart, he seems to be coming on as a distributor, or is it Isaiah Thomas, because you never know what the team is going to be doing as it heads into the future, and will it ultimately have to rebuild, and so uh, I, I don't want to hash all of that out again, I think we'll see how it all plays out, I think the trade deadline is going to tell us a lot what happens there, and we'll get into the Jimmy Butler conversation as well. Uh, but but I will say, last week we went around the NBA maybe a little bit more than we're normally comfortable with doing on the show since it is Celtics-centric, but we spent most of our time in the Western Conference, and I have to bring up as we're looking at these Eastern Conference standings, one of the teams that we really picked on, and as it relates to trade rumors and watching this Kyle Korver deal eventually get done to go to Cleveland and talking about Paul Millsap, all of a sudden Atlanta's responded. They are also 8-2 and two in their last 10. They've won six in a row. And they're only two games behind Boston, only three games behind Toronto. What a difference a week makes, John. Yeah, well, you know, I, and I after the show, I kind of said, well, let me just, I, I, I need to do a little bit more research on where <laughs> where those Atlanta Hawks sit right now. And yeah, they, you're right, they have. They've played well of late. They've, they've really kind of shown themselves to be, uh, I guess, responded is probably a better way I'd put it. Uh, they've, you know, they've, you know, when you win six in a row, that's that's no surprise. And and then they're gonna they're gonna face Brooklyn here on Tuesday. And even though you know we don't want to see a hot Atlanta team to play on Friday night, eh, I, you know I think we I think all things being said, we probably want to see them beat the Brooklyn Nets. That, that helps us a whole lot more in the long run. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, Atlanta is a team that uh, they're they seem to be finding their stride here a little bit. But you know the the, the Paul Millsap stuff isn't going to go away. I think water is going to find its level, you know, and I, I think they're going to probably fall back a bit here as we get into uh, January and as they start playing us here on Friday night. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they will fall back down to earth a little bit, but maybe only because the organization will force it. It's funny because our conversation last week spurned a whole host of Twitter conversation amongst some of our fans and talking about Atlanta and why didn't they just go right out there and just say, you know, forget Dwight, we're going to blow it up. And then here you look at their record and they really are waffling substantially. If they make that Millsap trade, though, I think at that point that's a signal to the fan base. You guys aren't coming out to the games, so we're going to do what we need to do to put a championship contender on the floor for you and draw you out because it really is shocking. Well, it is no shock that Al Horford came to Boston after the seats were always empty in Atlanta. I mean, really, it's sad. It's a sad state of affairs down there from from an uninspired fan base. And maybe they didn't feel like the product on the floor was exciting. I don't know. But I do know that the team is winning, but they're not winning in the financial department. You gotta think ownership says <laughs> we, we gotta rebuild in a way. We gotta take our chances. We gotta bring in some, some young. I mean, what have they got to lose, right? It's not like blowing it up is gonna hurt attendance. That's right. I mean, they, <laughs> they're, notorious for just a terrible, uh, attendance record and, and they just, 
no one goes, and and it's unfortunate because they have had some teams here, particularly the the Horford team from two years ago, a sixty win team. I mean, that was that was a real opportunity there, but. They weren't able to sustain that. It wasn't a team was going to be able to sustain given the age and, and, and all that went along with that. It's, it's, I think the biggest thing to take away is it's sad to see them sell off to Cleveland too. I mean, I, I, I hate to see Corver go there, guy who's obviously going to help the Cavs, you know, get even closer to, uh, to another championship while the rest of the Eastern Conference, you know, again, kind of, tries to fight for who's second and that's that's not great that you know that's not good good for i think overall for the conference um so it is post lebron the more that they, they whittle away there's another first round draft pick out that's the door yep. the more that that happens and guess what else Kyrie Irving is going to get better Kevin Love is still young post lebron this team's going to get mired in mediocrity for a while. And I don't mean mediocrity as far as like fighting for a playoff spot. I mean, they're going to hover at that three and four position because they're going to really struggle to put talent around Kyrie and love. And both of those players will be able to put wins on the board, but are they going to be able to close games, especially in the postseason without LeBron James? I think Kyrie's got it in him. I just don't know if he can shoulder the entire burden with really limited depth. I mean, I suppose it always depends on how the team manages the cap and who's interested in coming, but let's make no mistake about it. LeBron James is the draw. That's the way it's going to be. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, uh, as the season or as the years go on here. But yeah, it kind of, it kind of stinks to watch the rich get richer in the Cleveland Cavaliers, but at the same time, in this offseason, you want to see somebody say Kevin Durant become available? There's nothing like Cleveland going and spanking Golden State in a rematch in the finals to maybe, uh, maybe usher in that reality for you, John. I'm, I'm still taking a pass. I think, uh, I think I'll, I'm less bitter than I was this summer, but it still sits <laughs> unsteady for me. I'll just, I'll put it that way. Hey, real quick, before we go into it, cause I want to talk about the Nets and I want to talk about Coach Nick's interview with Larry H. Russell on Celtics beat yesterday. Uh, and, and some words he had for Al Horford. I wanted to get your take, but I do have to tell everybody, um, make sure you go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash CLNS fans, download the CLNS radio app for iOS and Android. Just go to your marketplace, search CLNS radio and go to YouTube. YouTube.com forward slash CLNS Radio for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews and the Garden Report with Jared Weiss. Zip Recruiter, that's right. This is our newest sponsor, and it's the new year, which means a fresh start for your business, and a great year starts with great hires. But posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites, and now you can. With ZipRecruiter, you can jumpstart your hiring in 2017. Post your job to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with just one single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Just quickly screen those candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com forward slash sportsfan. That's ZipRecruiter.com forward slash sportsfan. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com forward slash sportsfan. So, John, we looked at the standings. I think the beautiest, most beautiest part of those standings is eight wins for the New Jersey Nets. The next closest teams have 11 wins. So everything is going just as we planned. And, Absolutely. and I couldn't love it more. And, and I'm, man, I know there's a roster crunch, but more and more, I think let's hold on to these picks. But maybe not. I don't know what, what do you, what are you, what are you loving about the Nets, and don't you think they're going to end up trading Lopez and it's just going to tank anyway so that they can get younger and, and try to get a pick back even though it won't be from the Celtics? I think so. I think I think one thing kind of off of what we were just talking about there a moment ago is the standings, and there are a lot of teams in the East that seem to be, I don't know if I want to say separating themselves, but 
you know, Indiana's won five in a row. Atlanta, Atlanta's won six in a row. We just talked about those guys. Celtics, obviously, four in a row. Charlotte is certainly in the mix there. They got Chicago, Washington, Milwaukee. There's a lot of teams, I think, that are competing there to, to get better. And I think that's going to open a trade market for teams that haven't been in the playoffs, haven't been able to get over there. And I think that there's going to be somebody who could see Brooke Lopez as, as a real asset to them and somebody who could, you know, he could really add value. They may be willing to give up a pick, a, a team like an Atlanta or an Indiana. You know, Atlanta, apparently they say that they, they want to get some, some veterans in return. Well, why not go get a Brooke Lopez to put, plug along next to uh, a guy like Dwight Howard? He can stretch the floor now, and you might as well, if everyone's going small, go big. Maybe that's the that maybe that's the play. I don't know. All I'm saying is, I think that there's a there's an opportunity there for those those nets to be a lot worse, and for us to be sitting back and and it's already a little bit strange to sit there and look at the draft express mock and see the Celtics logo next to Markel Fultz's name. But hey, that's that's the world we're living in. It's it's, it's disgusting place. though. What are we going to do with another card? Like the 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 roster juggling of the off season will be insane if they have to make that pick. It will, but you know, I it's like people were saying, you know, and I don't want to bring up the call conversation of you know why not just throw a couple of picks at Atlanta. To get to get Millsap, well, there's there's salary reasons why you don't do that, but these picks do have value. I mean, yes, we could say, well, R.J. Hunter is a guy that we lost after a year, and, and he's already washed out of Chicago, but you had a year to see what you had there. Um, those two picks that we stashed right now, Yabaselli is is tearing up China. I mean, he's just every time you look, it's it's crazy what he's doing over there, and. Ante Zizic is probably even even looked even better now. Who's actually putting up numbers at the at the Euroleague level? I mean, he's he's doing legitimately well now at this next highest level of basketball. That those guys, you don't have the opportunity to get those guys if you try to sell off those picks for cheap. And so, yeah, you know, it stinks to be able to have a crunch, but they'll figure out a way. I think I think this year, I think we're gonna, now that the the, the CBA is done. I think we're going to see the Celtics, all these low picks. I think we're going to start to see some value there, even though that because I think we're going to start to see the uh, the salaries of the league. There isn't as much money uh, available this summer. So trying to get teams under caps and, and things like that, teams that are well run like the Celtics, it's going to have a better impact as opposed to before when everyone's got money. Well, even fools can look smart. <laughs> Even fools can look smart. Yeah. I'm, I'm right. That's going in the show notes. Even <laughs> fools can look smart. I'm literally writing it down I'm right looking now. at that you, is... Atlanta Magic. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm looking Atlanta at Magic. <laughs> Atlanta Magic. Both of them. Atlanta and, and Orlando. I mean, mm-hmm. Atlanta says, oh, yeah, I'm going to bring Dwight Howard. I don't care that they won whatever it is, six in a row. Does anybody think Atlanta's demonstrably better? I sure don't. You know, I'm not worried about Atlanta. Orlando, what a joke they are. You know, the Knicks, they may create the super team that Derrick Rose talks about. I mean, they can't even get above 500 right now. So come on. Wait, wait me up when you guys have a real team. Come on. Now. Well, what's funny is Dwight's more of a throwback player, like you said just a few moments ago, like with Lopez. Maybe the next thing is to go back inside and go big again. And, and Dwight's that player. Al Horford was not. And I wanted to get your take or just some quick thoughts. And you, you probably, I'm not sure you even had a chance to listen to it. So I'll just summarize and then you can kind of tell me what you think. But, but, uh, Coach Nick on the B ball breakdown here on the CLNS radio network, he really, Cover, he does great videos on the YouTube, uh, channel and really does excellent work breaking, breaking games down. If you didn't see the one after Isaiah Thomas's 52 point performance, you gotta go watch it because it was a ton of fun to watch. But he joined Larry H. Russell on Celtics beat and one of the conversations that he had is that he felt like the Celtics should reduce Al Horford's minutes down to about 28, 29 and that not because they're worried about injuries and et cetera, but he believes that the statistics say that Al Horford is is losing it or not as good a defender. And when you look at some of the lineups, um, he's getting killed. Now, I'm going to take this back to last week, and I'm going to say Al Horford is pretty much primarily responsible for cleaning up 
the defensive limitations of Isaiah Thomas. Remember, we talked about the impact of that mm-hmm. last week, John. But but what's your take on that? Do you think he's still got blocked shots, but plenty of players can focus on blocked shots and still not be a good defender? I'm not going to say that that just completely negates Coach Nick's point. But what, what do you think about that? Because everything with my eye test says Al Horford's a huge addition to this team, and, and I don't, I don't see the liability on defense. I think, I think what right now what we're seeing, and it's in the numbers too, the injuries, even though the injuries are, are quote unquote over, the impact from those injuries really hasn't gone away. And I think you had guys like Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, Al Horford, that when they were healthy, they were bearing even Isaiah Thomas, I suppose, and Marcus Smart, all the, the, the big players. I'll put Kelly Olenek to the side. But but really the rest of those guys that were the heartbeat of of the starting core and the first few people off the bench, I think they had to bear such an unbelievable burden as the team was trying to kind of collect itself and, and still maintain the pace that we were all were expecting coming out of the gate. And I think that I think they wore a lot. I think it wore down a lot, honestly. I think part of the reason Avery Bradley's defense has not been the same at the same level we saw last year is because he was asked to he's he was asked and in part still is being asked to do everything. And I think the same is true of Horford, who other than the concussion really has been healthy the entire stretch. So I think that I think there's something to be said for that, for what Coach Nick was talking about. I think the biggest concern I have really wasn't so much about Horford, I don't think he stands out nearly as much as Crowder does, uh, but but maybe that's just the type of game that Al Horford plays. It's not as as evident, perhaps, in how they play that uh, you know that Horford's getting beat or or that uh, you know offensively he's not as quick. Um, seems to stand out a bit more with Crowder, perhaps, than than Horford in my mind. Yeah, I think Crowder has struggled with consistency, and uh, some games he's lighting it up. And, but I just don't see him attacking the basket. But his three-point percentage is phenomenal. You talk about that prototypical 3 and D. Jay has definitely improved that three-point shot this year. And I think, was it the Philly game? He's just not. No, it was the Utah game. He was just knocking them down. I think he was four for four at one point in that game. What I will say also is Coach Nick said what the Celtics should do in reducing Al Horford's minutes is give them over to Kelly Olynyk, who has played incredibly aggressive. And I think we can close this first half segment with some talk on Kelly in a moment. But I wanted to point another Al Horford nugget out, which was an excellent interview done by Chris Mannix. I guess it was over the holidays and, and leading up into the new, you know, up to New Year's. I think it was towards the end of December. Maybe, maybe they put it out on the vertical early January. I can't remember. It was within the last week though. But if you, if you go and listen to it, and I don't know if you had a chance, uh, to catch that one, John, yeah. but there's a moment in there yeah. where Chris says to Al Horford, he says, so, you know, something along the lines of, are you happy you made the decision to come to Boston or something along those lines? And, and Al really did not give a resoundingly positive tone to his answer, you know, as well. You know, everything's an adjustment. And I know he's, he's measured in the very same way that Brad Stevens can be measured in his responses. But still, what an easy slam dunk for Al Horford to go. Boston is awesome. I love it here. And instead, there's like this tone in the back of his, in the, you almost can see the, the wheels grinding and going, yeah, except for that Felger asshole. <laughs> well, I think we all say that, yeah, but, except for that Felger. <laughs> I, I mean, you talk I, about yeah. not having fans in the stands in Atlanta and the media just way off his case. And yeah. even then, I don't think the media has been horrendous to Al. I think, if anything, most of most of the media is very glad to have him here. And it was a statement with the whole, you know, big name free agent acquisition. But at the same time, the scrutiny is different. And you know, obviously, the Felger thing. There's no way that didn't rock the boat in the Horford household, both you know, domestic and home, but also the extended family and Al's sister commented about it. But obviously, that's an adjustment. But moving. 
I mean, he's been in Atlanta forever. And just moving and going through that culture shock of Southern hospitality up into that New England cold curmudgeon atmosphere, it's, it's a change. And I think there's, sir, there's some elements to that. That adjustment is going to take time. That's why I think Al's only going to get better, especially as we head into the postseason. Yeah, no, I, I, it is, it was an adjustment for him to go into that, it, you know, to, to leave where he had been comfortable, where he'd set his roots and, and even, you know, as, as he said in that interview, you know, Atlanta, he was happy that Atlanta wanted to take him. He knew a little bit about the city. It was a good transition for him from being in Gainesville to, to going up a little bit to, to Atlanta. Um, I, I wasn't as struck as you were that, that he wasn't as effusive in his praise for Boston. I, to me, any sort of, there were a couple comment, you know, parts of that interview to me that stood out that really said he felt like there was unfinished business, I guess, and that I wasn't sure he really felt like this team has found itself yet. That was kind of where I was going from is that, you know, I'm not overly happy with where we've been because we haven't played well collectively. I looked at it from a basketball perspective as opposed to, you know, kind of the outside stuff, which – you and I were as angry I don't know, though, because that anything. whole interview when he was talking about being at Florida with Donovan, Billy yeah. Donovan and, you right. know, Joachim Noah, he was saying that the most important memories that he had from that time was the off-the-court stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, but I think those were two different conversations. I don't think he was – it was like, well – No, but it's know, insight into what's like important to him and what his perspective might be when he answers such a question. I I think you're reading too much into it, honestly. But I I understand you. I understand where you're coming from. I, I I do. I just don't think that he's. I don't think that he's ready to 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 see criticism there. I felt like he. I I, I guess what I would say is I felt like the jury was still out, maybe on Boston because he had just gotten here and there was so much going on. I mean, he really didn't even comment about any of the Felger stuff, really, to speak of. And and he would. He's thought, a pro, dude. He's a pro. right. You would have thought he would have. If there was anything in terms of a an ill tone um, in any way, I, I would have thought that would have called it out. And Chris did mention it in the interview, but you know he did. Right. But they, but he also gave him an easy way around it to avoid it. Sure. But I was, but it was funny because right when he asked it, I was thinking, I wonder if he's going to ask him about the felt bang that it happened. Right so yeah. it, was, it was like, oh, that was the perfect spot for it. All right, listen, we're gonna we're gonna take our first break or our our mid show break here. We didn't get a chance to talk about Kelly Olynyk, so we'll come back. We're gonna talk about Kelly Olynyk. We're gonna talk about Jay Crowder. So speaking of you know little bit of news story in the media, maybe more than it really is. We'll get into that. And we're going to talk about the Jimmy Butler rumors because we have talked about a number of trade targets, potential trade targets, but Jimmy Butler kind of went off the radar for the Celtics, but now Chicago looks to be exactly who we thought they were. So we're going to be back in just a minute. I'm going to tell you about Blue Apron. They have re-upped their sponsorship with Celtic Stuff Live for 2017. Their mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals, and so they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries and ranchers and i think this is the one that hits home for me it's less than ten dollars per meal and with that blue apron will give you seasonal recipes you won't get the same recipe twice in one year you can make delicious home-cooked meals it's less expensive than going out to dinner the calories are listed on the card so you know exactly what your portion contains I can tell you, I can promise you that you can, you can cook this food and it will look exactly the same as it does on the recipe card that comes with it. Uh, some upcoming meals, spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage and a word I can't say because I am not very savvy in the foodie world. I'm not a foodie, although I absolutely love the food here. Pork chops and garlic piccata with scallion rice and spinach. Mushroom and chipotle pepper enchiladas with lime sour cream. So you can check out this week's menu, get your first three meals for free with free shipping 
by going to blueapron.com forward slash Celtics. You're going to love how good it feels, tastes, to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com forward slash Celtics. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And we're going to be right back after a word from another one of our sponsors, audible.com. All right, John, we're back from the break. We didn't get a chance to talk about Kelly Olenek. We, we teased the conversation going to the interview with Coach Nick on Celtics Beat Sunday this week. But Coach Nick said Al Horford's num- minutes should come down. They should go over to Kelly Olenek. And Kelly, we knew this last year. Statistically, he was one of the top defenders in the front court for the Celtics squad. And a lot of it has to do not obviously with, you know, pure athleticism, but a lot to do with intelligence and positioning. And as a team defender, uh, he's, he's excellent. But it wasn't more than a week ago. There's still a strong part of the Celtics fan base that wants oh. to see Kelly Olinick goodbye, goodbye. And I, I'm not down with that. I, and I think, as a matter of fact, there's maybe not for the same reasons that Coach Nick says Kelly Olenek should get more minutes. And I'm not sure I agree that they should be Al Horford's minutes. But I do think that Kelly's starting to come into his own. It was unfortunate he got a real slow start to his contract year because I think with a good, healthy offseason, we would be, we would have seen a different player coming out of training camp and instead he had to play catch up. But the truth is, is he is a good team defender. Statistically, the numbers bear that out. And more importantly, he's getting more aggressive than he's ever been in his career. And I know we've said it numerous times on the show. I wish Kelly would get aggressive and now he's getting aggressive. Sure, he gets stuffed at the rim sometimes, the plays he doesn't always convert. But I will also say that the more he tries to work inside, he almost looks like he's becoming a more effective position rebounder as well. I think so. I think he's, I think he's starting to, he's definitely, you can see he's made strides in that end of his game. Uh, one, one thing that's also kind of interesting, he's, you know, even though he's had the slow start, and, and a lot of us, I think, or at least certainly I have questions about what would happen. His biggest, single biggest best skill is his shooting. His shooting is a big man, you know, and be able to stretch the floor, open the floor up for his teammates. He's at a point where now he's shooting 47% of all his shots are behind the three-point arc, which is far and away the best um, or the most, the highest percentage of his shots. Last year he shot just a little under 38% of his shots from three points. So he's he's hearing the message, which is take the threes, take them when they're open, uh, take them when we need you to take them. He still has, you know, he pulls a Linux every so often, which is the, of course, the uh, pump fake out of a, out of an open three into either a, and then dish it off to somebody who can't get the shot off because the shot clock expires or something else. That's an Olenek right there. Um, he is, still has that, and and he's got to have a better court awareness of what he's needed to do. But I think he's making strides, and I think uh, certainly is he's kind of rounded into his training camp shape. Again, Celtics started training camp. He's not there. He starts the, the season two weeks in. You know, basically, this is he's two weeks into his season at this point. You know what I mean? If you were to kind of equate, you know, taking that time out of training camp and lumping it onto the, the regular season, he's basically now two weeks into his season. And so now he's starting to, to find his form. Um I think he's still inconsistent. I don't agree that you, you know, swap him for Al, you know, Al Horford's minutes necessarily, but I think he's a compliment there and he shouldn't be that expensive, I guess, on the free agent market. He may not get the, the offer we think he'll get uh, in free agency. So I, I'm, I'm very bullish on where Kelly's headed, but at the same point, there are other decisions that the roster has to make ahead of him, don't you think? Yeah, I definitely think they do. And you know what's funny about this squad when you talk about Kelly and hitting the threes? Imagine if this team and just the movement of three-pointers from beyond the – I want to go back to one of the first things you said, the percentage of shots that Kelly is taking from beyond the arc versus last season. And he should be because it's a major talent, especially for his height, and it's the direction of the league. But this team, imagine if they could hit the three-pointers last year at all close yeah. to the way they are this season. 
it, it really it. would have been incredibly different because th- they were one of the worst three-pointing shooting teams in the entire league last year. And I think they moved into second in the league the other night with most three-pointers made on the year. That's insane. Ahead of Golden State. I don't even understand. Yeah. I, it's hard to even conceive of that transition for this club. Their three-point attempt rates. So they've attempted the fourth most three-pointers in the league. I mean that's that's bananas, and but they're shooting well, and and that's the thing is that you know as a team, there are and that's the biggest key behind their 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 jump, I guess, as a, as an offense is that they've figured it out. I mean, it's not just Isaiah, and it's not just you know guys like Kelly. I mean, Crowder making a big leap forward, Marcus Smart really you know kind of taking a step with his three-point shooting. I mean, again, he's not he's not killing it, but he's not shooting 25% anymore either. I mean, he's, he's a 31% shooter. He's he's nearing up on, on the numbers that he was shooting his rookie year, which is a huge accomplishment yeah, given it's how way bad better, it was though. last year. When you totally. look at how many of those shots, like we've already talked about his numbers being skewed because he winds up being forced to take shots that aren't necessarily good looks from three-point land and it's when the shot clock is expiring. He's more than willing to tank his three-point percentage just yeah. because he's in that position, and totally. he's not worried about it. But that 31% is probably another player's 33 or 34%. That's true. That's a great point. You're right, yeah. Yeah, we have talked about that, but you're right. I mean, he he takes those, you know, because no one else will. And Hey, you know what? Credit to him to not be so selfish about that. And yes, there is some kind of irrational confidence that goes flows through his game from time to time. But I think that that's I think he's quelled a little bit of that. Uh, you know, the other kind of interest piece about Marcus, and I think it kind of does go work with Kelly because that second unit where Kelly and, and Marcus have kind of found, you know, kind of a, they've kind of stabilized things. We were talking a lot about that in, in the first couple months of the season, about how the second unit really hasn't found itself. Now that, that Marcus has kind of inhabited that, he's he's distributing really well. Kelly's, you know, hitting, hitting those open shots and, and finding offense for himself, finding some comfort level, I guess, in that, in that space. What's interesting, too, is when you're looking at, at, at Marcus, you know, kind of, okay, so what does that mean? He's shooting a better percentage. You know, is he, is he, uh, oh, I just had it here. He, he was, you know, basically the, the distance, the average, oh yeah, the average distance of his shots is 16, 16 feet out. So, you know, because he's shooting, um, you know, you know, he's shooting a number of his shots are, uh, you know, He's got three pointers. He's got some at the basket. He's shooting about his average about a 16 foot, which is in the middle of his the range of where he's been. Last year, he, his average shot was a lot closer because he wasn't making anything far out. Now he's kind of pulling it back out a bit, which I think is great. It, it's giving him range. It's giving him it's giving him confidence. And it's giving him the ability to to create because when he's making his shots that gives passing lanes open for him to now he can create some things for his teammates i'm just i'm so impressed with where marcus was and you know you look at the game he had the other night you know 38 points from isaiah zero assists so what but 22 5 and 4 i think is what uh, marcus had i mean just a dominating performance on both ends of the court if that's the marcus smart we're seeing I don't want to see any more trade rumors about Marcus Smart. Well, let's just stop playing him at small forward, right? Because statistically this season it really played out that that three-guard lineup was not a good one for the Celtics at all. And he's moved much more into that guard capacity. We've been able to see his distributing ability, which is definitely – what it does is it draws attention off of him. But the other thing, with his size, he's able to post up smaller, less effective defenders that are covering him at guard. And that's helped that a lot. I know you say 16 feet, but he can go out beyond the arc. But then he can go in and post up. And I want to see more of that. I think I tweeted it out at the beginning of the week or maybe in the middle. I was like, yeah, let's definitely see Marcus Smart post up more. And that's that's that is a good thing because he also had a and I can't remember what game it was. I want to say it it was Utah, but it might have been the Pelicans on Saturday. I I still have not been able to watch the Philly game other than I was out with some friends because I'm in the Philly market. I was out with some friends. 
uh, Friday night at a bar and we watched it, but I obviously wasn't watching closely and League Pass has yet to make that game available oh. on replay. Just love my League Fuck Pass you. right now, let me tell you. This season has been horrendous. Whoever took over that app is killing me. But anyway, I haven't been able to rewatch it, so it was either the Utah game or the Pelicans game. But he came through the paint and he brought the ball up. He went left to right. It was almost like a Euro step, but it wasn't. And then he went up and attacked the basket. He's just got much more offensive versatility. And I don't think when you have a larger defender at the three up against Marcus Smart that it necessarily is conducive because his game is not quickness. It's still strength. It's vision and strength. And so at the guard position, he's a mismatch. At the three defensively he holds his own, but I think it really hampers his offense. And so it's nice to see that adjustment where he's playing guard better, I mean, more often, and he's definitely playing better as a result of it. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think the, the having the ball in his hands and having him in a position to create as, a, as opposed to being someone that the other team has to guard <laughs> which would you rather have? You know, yeah, he's shooting 31%, maybe 33 if you take out the, the those the oddball ones like we talked about. Eh, that, that, that's not really much of a threat. Now, you have a guy who's strong like a bull, who can get you on his backside and you're not getting around him no matter what you do. If he if he gets if he gets a half step on you, you're done cuz he's he's walled you off from from defending him. That seems to be a whole lot more effective, and I, I think we saw that the other night with with Bradley out. You know, Isaiah just he had the ability to just shoot and score and create for himself, as opposed to having setting things up for the other team. I mean, that's one thing you got to give credit to Isaiah about too, is that you know it's not just about having the ball in his hands, having to create every shot for himself. Credit to him for reacting to that and i think that does give this team more more options as they move forward you know we always talk about well, what's the best fit you know i remember you and i talking about that like well who should start who should come off the bench and the ability for those guys to be interchangeable that boy that that makes that team go from from being you know really rigid to an option not only does it open things up for brad it sure opens things for danny age too and he doesn't have to worry about well this guy can i play with that guy um but having said that like you like you said i'd sure rather see marcus in the backcourt well one of the things that's allowing them to do that not just obviously bradley had an injury but another thing that's allowing them to do that is they don't aren't struggling as badly as they were to start the year with depth yes. at small forward. Yes. Gerald Green has come in and given the team some, I would say, very substantial minutes over the last two weeks. And Jalen Brown's defense has at least come up to passable under the minutes that Brad's willing to give him and based on how the team is performing. But he's starting to find his way defensively enough that his liabilities are not enough to get him yanked off the floor. And offensively, he's asserting himself. He still hasn't figured it out, but I kind of liken it to the conversation with Kelly Olynyk. I just want to see him stay aggressive. Is he perfect? No. Does he still kind of fumble the ball as he's falling down? I mean, I remember a moment in the Pelicans where he went to attack the basket, wound up on his butt, the ball was still in his hands, and he passed it back out of the post. Like, yes, there are still some, some rookie moments there, but he also doesn't get some calls. There are calls where he should go to the line and he's not getting them, and as he becomes you know, a little bit more um, accustomed to the game and the officials get to get to know him a little bit, I think we'll see him at the line and players may not want to foul him every single time and he may find some room and some daylight, but there's some there's some savvy, I guess, or some uh, some smoothness to the way he goes to the rim that needs to that needs to present itself on every possession where he's looking to score. But defensively, he's starting to hold his own, and Gerald Green's giving a lot of minutes, and that is what is allowing Marcus Smart to play more and more guard. And it's a good good development for this squad. It's very. Good. I agree with that absolutely. The the more that I think you're right that, that he's able to use those those built-in um, you know <laughs> benefits of, of size, strength, um, agility for that size, and to use those 
that's just going to benefit him and his career. Um, I don't know how much he's really been held out, held back in terms of his development by playing small forward. I think, you know, we've seen a lot of guys from his draft class that haven't done that well, honestly. And, and only now it's really starting to kind of star. I mean, you look at Jabari Parker in, in Milwaukee and, and Bead here in Philly and, you know, smart, smart really was leading his, his draft class in win shares until the start of this season. So he actually was probably the best of the bunch. Uh, you know, if, if you, you know, kind of take a step back from that, even a guy, you know, <laughs> you got Wiggins there in Minnesota. He has, has had kind of really an up and down season, uh, you know, I'd say career, uh, but especially this season has not been a good one for him. You got to give credit to Marcus because he's taken the opportunities as a young guy. He's slowly built himself a career. Now, can he do this consistently? Can we see him do these things? I think he's doing the little things consistently. Can he do the big things? Can he do those 22, four and fives? He start to do those every two or three games or every three or four games. That would be the next step I'd like to see in his his career, not just becoming a good player, to really becoming a guy who's a young star. Oh yeah, I I, I, I think we all know he's a closer, right? I mean, again, Definitely. where is the Dunkin' Donuts commercial that I keep clamoring for? <laughs> Saturday Night Live did a really nice spoof with Casey Affleck, but come on, now it's time to give. Marcus Smart, his, and coffee is for closers. All right, so we're going to end the show on conversations about two of our favorite Marquette players and obviously our predictions for this coming week with the Celtics facing off against their Atlantic Division and Eastern Conference rival Toronto Raptors. They're going to stop on the way down south, or no, they got a home game, sorry. They're away, then they come uh, to Boston, play the Washington Wizards. It's nice they get a uh, couple of days off before the game against Toronto. Then it's a uh, back-to-back uh, away and home. But then Al Horford makes his first appearance back in Atlanta on Friday. So we're going to talk about that. But first, Jay Crowder, a little upset with the Gordon Hayward cheers, but it wasn't in-game. It was pre-game and nothing that they didn't do for Kevin Durant. I'm not surprised he's upset. But I actually think that both sides of the equation have a right to feel how they feel. Like, yeah, get on the bus, come to the Celtics. And, you know, Gordon Hayward is a talent. He is an absolute talent. And I almost think you could put Jay Crowder at the four and and let Gordon play the three, and that would still work out. I know Horford might not want to play the five in that scenario, but fans have to want to recruit players to come. And, and they don't – the Celtics fan base does not cheer for just anybody. It is a select few. Um, but I will also say that if I were Jay Crowder and two of that select few over the last two years played by position, I might get a little touchy too. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I, I see both sides. I think we know Jay has rabbit ears. I mean, everything that, yeah, you know, there was a point this summer where I think CSN and he had a, you know, what are the top uh, targets the Celtics should have for free agency next year? And he tweets some sort of like sleepy emoji, like eight different C, you know, sleepy emojis or something. So he's got rabbit ears. He hears everything. But you were there the night that the Celtics. I wouldn't even say the Celtics fans. They were fans at the TD Garden that uh, lost. Stop their it with the January 31st nonsense. Yes, the Kobe Bean Bryant got a ridiculous ovation in game, an MVP right, chance throughout the game. Right, we did a show after that, and and the disgust you could taste the anger <laughs> through the microphones or through the headset. And that was different, okay? This is before the game. I mean, I just think it's – you know, look. I mean, I understand what he's saying. We're we're in a fight. We want to win every game. I do see both sides of it. I I just – the part that, that where Jay went over the line was the I don't want to be here anymore type stuff. That kind of that – No, was it was – his, his tweet was much more love it or leave it, right? If you don't love me, somebody else will love me because yeah. I got game and I got heart. That's that's really what he meant. I mean, I think anyway. I, I, I'm not so sure that it was 
see you later, Boston. I wouldn't want to be you. Won't miss you. That may have been how it came out, but I don't think that's the way that it was intended was, listen, man, I'm a good player, and if you guys don't love me, somebody else will. Yeah, but it makes it seem as though you don't need to be here or you don't have interest here as much as as you say you do. And I think that's just something you don't need to say. You know? I know, but everybody wants to be appreciated, right? Everyone wants to be appreciated, but to do to lose your mind over something that minor, I oh, think I agree with that. Where, where he that that was where it kind of you know if if they were chanting if they were did what they did for Kobe and they did that for Gordon Hayward, I could understand his frustration and his anger. But for that little collection of fans before the game to give a little you know dap to Gordon Hayward and him to lose his mind over that after the game after a win against a pretty good team come on and then to go you on know what though he played like hell further. that night didn't he didn't he he did, he did. and that's no, he, but he, he wouldn't well have that if that kind of stuff if he didn't have all right it's the next night but if he didn't yeah, have that okay. kind of a chip on his shoulder right i mean that's what makes him i get you and and Probably there's no reason, but you also don't want your players to lose their fight. You don't want them to get complacent. Right. You know, what? I don't really care what he uses to motivate. What would have been a real stinker is if he bitched and moaned and then played like crap yep. or didn't put effort out on the floor. Then I would be vilifying the man, but it's just not who Jay Crowder is. You'd never right. see that from him, and that's why I give him a pass, and I understand both sides of that that scenario completely. I just want him to get healthy. That's all I want from Jay yeah. Crowder. I mean, I, I forget about the talks and all this. I just want him to play like the Jay Crowder of last year. I don't, you know, I'm glad he's making forty percent of his threes, but give me thirty five percent of his threes and be a guy who can defend like a hawk and 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 drive closeouts and get to the line. That's the Jay Crowder we need on this team. And you know, whether it's the ankles or whatever it is. That's the guy we need to see, and, and I, I'm hoping he, whether it's health or whatever it is, if he does that, Celtics fans are going to go to the end to their, they'll go to the end for that guy, you know. And I think that's, I think that maybe that frustration with his injuries and not being able to play consistently the way he has, maybe that's also a piece of this. Uh, as well. It definitely could be. I mean, people, anytime you're susceptible when you don't feel like you're, you know, playing the way that you would like to be playing, especially when you look at this previously highly ranked Celtics defense, one that we thought had a real shot at being number one in the league, and it's just not there. But remember, last draft night, and we know people have been calling about that Nets pick, feeling it out, <laughs> feeling it out, and then obviously um, the big trade rumor on draft night was Jimmy Butler. and. Yeah. Part of that trade was Jay Crowder. See how I'm tying all this together? But yeah, part when you of that said Marquette, trade, I thought we were talking about Doc Rivers. But oh, I guess yes, not. of course. No. <laughs> not favorite. No. Blake Griffin's ahead. injured. I haven't even looked at the standings to see how Doc's doing since that injury. I'll have to go take a peek here while we're talking. I guess they slid a little bit. Fourth. Fourth. Yeah. They're behind Houston now. The inevitable slide. As a matter of fact, Utah probably with a little bit of a win streak could take the clips too. Um, but no, not Doc Rivers st sticking with, uh, sticking with Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder, but that was a piece, right? It was a pick and Jimmy Butler and then maybe Avery Bradley. And there were, there, what the Celtics front office said was, if you knew what we knew, you wouldn't make the deal either. Well, what if you knew that that ankle injury of Jay Crowder's was not only going to linger to close out last season, but was going to impact him to begin this season? Would you have made that trade? I don't know. I, you know, even the Avery Bradley, everybody knows he's coming out. He's rounding out to be a scoring threat, a rebounding threat. Uh, obviously the, one of the top, especially one-on-one -on -one perimeter defending guards in the entire league, you know, that's the, I think that's the sticking point for this club. I'm not so sure that I, at the time I thought Jay Crowder was the sticking point, but now I'm thinking more and more it's Avery Bradley. But once again, here's this net Nets pick, Markel Fultz on the table, and there's just not enough room to develop all these guys. What do you think winds up happening? Do you think, uh, 
the the you know we've we heard the KG rumor come out over and over and over before before it was finally consummated. Do you think Jimmy Butler is of that ilk, or this room Jimmy Butler rumor is of that ilk? Um, I think Chicago was looking for not just a home run; they were looking for a grand slam and a, a perfect game all at the same time. I mean, it, everything I've seen about what that what was included there was was more than a, a king's ransom for the guy. I'm not sure how serious they are um, about trading him at this point. Maybe they'll wait and see what happens with the team they have. They seem to have kind of found a little bit of a a, a good place with uh, Dougie McBuckets and 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 Butler and Wade playing together. But ultimately, where does it get them? That's the problem. I mean, you still look at their at their ceiling and. Where are they going to go with that? I, that's the problem to me, and that's the problem with a lot of these NBA teams that I really don't understand. We keep talking about how, well, we don't want to be in the middle. We don't want to be in the middle. And yet teams right now, for at least the last two or three years, teams have been content to live in the middle. They have, you know, they've, they were really going, a lot of teams were tanking for the 2014 uh, lottery, didn't get, you know, most of them didn't get a, a good pick out of that. Now it's a LeBron and it's a Cleveland and Golden State League and everyone else is in the middle wondering what to do. And I just don't understand. There's some teams that are going to be stuck in that middle and there's some teams that are, you know, have some, some youth and ability to move up. Like a team like Milwaukee, a lot of young players, really their internal development is going to strive them further up the uh you know the the food chain i suppose in the in the east same with at utah you know i think they're kind of in that same mix so i don't understand a team like let's say atlanta or potentially indiana or chicago i mean where are they going to go where do they see i mean do they think that they're going to get that inside. I mean, who on Chicago is going to star to go alongside Jimmy Butler? We know Dwayne Wade is in, is, is near the end. We know Rajon Rondo. We know what's the situation there. So it's just it it's very curious. There's so many teams doing the same thing. I certainly wouldn't hesitate to give up either one of them. To be honest with you, I think I like Jay Crowder. I like Avery Bradley. But neither one of them are going to put you over the top. They're a piece that can be part of the team. And we need size, man. We just need need size. size. It's like really killing them defensively. Jimmy would help out. A hundred percent with that. It's so funny because we gotta, we gotta look at the week ahead and then we gotta wrap the show. And I know we're gonna talk about this some more, but we definitely need size and we need our, our, uh, DeRozan. We need somebody that yep. can go in and slash and take a little bit of pressure off of Isaiah. And Isaiah's three point percentage is improving dramatically this season. So his ability to hit that shot could still keep things open for Butler, knowing that Butler is not a real major three point, you know, he's, his three point percentage is, is not great. It's probably at the Marcus Smart level. I haven't looked at it recently. So I'm going off the top of my head, but I know he hovers around low 30%. So that's still an issue. But with the bigs being able to hit shots, you know, Al Horford hit a big one the other night to win the game. Kelly Olenek can hit him. You're going to get the spacing from this team under the right. You know, Brad will tinker with the lineups and get it where it needs to be. But that, we, we need size. Absolutely 100%. That one funny thing, Jeff Clark, uh, you know, and I going back and forth a little bit. Have we traded for Jimmy Butler yet? And joking about, and I think what his hashtag was, was Operation Rondo Mole. Here's, here's Rajon Rondo, like we talked about last week, and saying that, you know, he'll definitely want to be traded, et cetera. We, we broke all that down. But it is sort of funny when we talked about what is this team doing, signing Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo, and, and now here's Rondo being benched, and like you said, Dougie McBuckets apparently is the, uh, is, is, is the, the cure for them now that they're back above 500 at 19 and 18 I guess we'll see but John how do you predict out this week we've got the Raptors on Tuesday Wednesday we face Washington back home and then an interesting uh, night for Al Horford to return home to Atlanta for a game on the road against the Hawks on Friday it's a tough week I mean you really you're playing against the second best team in the east the fourth best team in the East, and the seventh best team in the East. So you're really playing against three playoff games, <laughs> or three, three three playoff teams, 
rather. I mean, they're not games. They're not going to be played at that, that intensity. But that's a tough week. I bet Atlanta that's will. Really- They've been shaken. Their emotion, like they really loved Kyle Korver and I, I think that, I think that game's gonna be heated. I think, I, I think they actually finally get the monkey off their back, beat Toronto, I think they handle Washington, and then I think they lose in Atlanta on Friday. That's my guess. I'm going two and one. What, what do you think? Whoa. You, you, whoa. Yeah. You, Mr. Mr. Pessimist. Well, Mr. No, 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 no. That's not Rose. pessimistic. That's not <laughs> pessimistic because I declared a win against the Raptors, which they've never been able to do, and yes. it's on the road. That's a pretty optimistic one. They're bound for a letdown game, and I just think that Atlanta emotionally right now, like with Al Horford coming back into town, they'll have just enough of a, a chip on their shoulder to try and take one. That well, is if Pil- Paul Millsap's not traded before then. Everything's yeah. off the table with that if he's gone. Well, you know, that's that's interesting, too, is, okay, the Celtics have kind of started to play well. If they beat Toronto, does that cause Toronto to maybe think twice about the Millsap thing? A lot of the comments were, well, even if they get Millsap, I'm not sure they're able to compete with Cleveland. Well, what if they're not even able, if they're not ahead of Boston? Does that change things? Do they not get to the Eastern Conference Finals unless they get Millsap? That's an interesting kind of discussion point to see if that they need to have that to move ahead of Boston. I mean, I think I think Celtics fans feel that Toronto is ahead of Boston right now um, until the Celtics are actually able to beat them, and this is the opportunity to do that. I think that the Celtics will go two and one as well on this week. I think they will lose Toronto to Toronto. I'm not yet sold that their defense is good enough. I'm not sure that they have anybody who can match up DeMar DeRozan. And I think that that's going to be a real problem for them. I think they're going to handle the Wizards handily, which they'll handle them handily. Um, I think they'll be like well on, on Wednesday. Just, <laughs> Even fools going, can look smart. You got it. <laughs> I got a billion of them, man. I'm like, I'm with the next Ben Franklin over here. Uh, so, yeah, beat the Wizards. Fool me once, and... can't, can't fool me again. <laughs> <laughs> fail the plan means playing to fail. Uh, so they're going to beat the Wizards, uh, and then I think they beat the Hawks too. I'm I'm just not – I think that, that Dwight Howard is going to look like a fool. I just – I – I am not a believer in Dwight Howard. I think Dwight Howard is going to have a hard time against the Celtics team. And I'm just not a believer in the Atlanta Hawks. I think they still, I think the Celtics will still have a hard time with Paul Millsap. I don't think anything will change in that. But I do think that this team, the Celtics club, is, is that much better than Atlanta now. And I think they're going to be able to pull it out. I think they've, they've made that stretch. I'm just not sure they're ready to beat Toronto. Yeah, no, I'm not either, but that's my prediction for the week. I'm throwing a curveball. I'm getting confident with nailing a lot of predictions ah, on the season. Quite honestly, I've only missed a few. I've almost <laughs> predicted. I, I'm serious. I think I've only missed four I games prediction-wise. So we'll, it's time to put it to the test. It's not. You're not wrong to feel that way. I'm just – all I'm saying is – it, it's you're getting cocky now. Now I almost feel like we need to like go the other way with this, you know. Like we okay. both predicted two and one. It's just which win and which loss. Oh, I know. Well, yeah, but I said two and one last week. You said three and zero. Oh. So now I feel like you know you're feeling pretty good about this, you know. And like you said, you've made more than you've missed. So. You know, it's it's all right. I'm I'm not. I'm I'm shooting at a Marcus Smart against the Pelicans clip right now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm still feeling pretty good about where I am in terms of the Chris Forsberg, you know, forecast too. I'm feeling like I did all right with that. Looking at where where are they uh, pacing now? I haven't done that math in a few days. Fifty-one. Pacing at fifty-one. Okay. I think they could get above it too. I th- what did, I what did like, we? What did you do? You did fifty three, and I did fifty four, fifty five. Yeah. yeah, I think. You, yeah, I think we're. Yeah, and I think they'll be there. I think they'll be fifty three, fifty four. You know, I think they'll be a. They'll be a. You know, they're not going to play. They're Again, gonna play cross your fingers with health, and if they do make a mid season trade. It could rock the boat for a little while, depending on who's included, and it might take them a little while to recover. But I don't think that 
what it looked like it was going to be is going to end up being that much of a listen they have a closer this year Isaiah is finishing games in the fourth quarter like nobody's business he's just rocking it offensively and that's what you need in the second half of the fourth quarter to win games I, people want to say it's defense it's not it's the ability to get to the line and it's the ability to hit big shots that wins games. It's defense that gets you to that point and keeps you in the game or helps you climb back in, but it's offense that wins the game. Come on, let's be real. I think that this Celtics club, what they've shown right now, I think this offense is sustainable to a point. I think that they there is another gear this team has defensively that once they reach there, they could be a 58-59-60 win team. I don't think they, they're going to get there. I think they're too far into the season. But I think they could play well enough to be in that stratosphere. Yeah, you think that the, for the second half of the season, they can win on that pace, which winds up right. averaging them out at that 54-55. I totally agree. Yep, yep. yep. And, I think, and I think that defensively, what will happen is that you're going to need that defense to carry you through the playoffs. Because you're right. You can do that, I think, in the regular season. I'm not sure in the postseason. And I think that they're going to need that defense to carry them through because no matter what they, no matter what the record is, you know, we were, there's a lot of people worried, well, they're on a 48 win pace. They're on this. All that, I think all of us feel like after two straight years of, of first round exits, all we really want to see is see the team advance and make some noise in the playoffs. So, and make you know, some trades. And may, and maybe make a trade. Make, you know, do some roster yes. tweaking. Maybe sign another max free agent. But yes, no, you're right. As far as the postseason goes, as far as reasonable expectations on this season, the championship is not. Maybe even with a big midseason trade, I still don't see how they can put themselves quite over the top of Cleveland at this point. But to continue making steps towards that uh improvement, steady improvement that they've seen every year under Brad Stevens. And we got to wrap the show on that. But we will be uh, back next week, John and I. And this broadcast is available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as CLNSRadio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. I'm at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. You could support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review. Your feedback is important. And a reminder, today's show is brought to you by Audible.com, BlueApron.com, and ZipRecruiter.com. They all have great deals for you listeners, but most importantly, you'd be supporting our show and the entire network. A thanks to the loyal audience who makes it all worthwhile. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.